also walk around our neighbourhood because, as many of you know, I have a dog now and he, he keeps me fit because I, he looks very, more, very forlorn if I don't take him for a walk and I can't handle the guilt. So I do get out every morning most days of the week walking and I walk around our neighbourhood and we have a really mixed bag in our neighbourhood of gardens. And because I'm into gardens, I'm looking at them. But there are, there are gardens that just look like they've never been loved. There are gardens that look like once upon a time they were loved, but maybe the owner's now old and can't do the gardening anymore or they changed owners. Anyway, there are some really, obviously, gardens that once were really nice, but now they're all overgrown and not looking very wonderful. Um, there are other gardens that just look beautiful, and an int- interesting thing is that um, often the garden, the gardens that look beautiful are also the gardens that I often see somebody out actually in the garden. They, you know, I often go past them and there's the sprinkler running or there's somebody trimming a tree or somebody you know, doing something. Those beautiful, the gardens that, that look good often have somebody out gardening in them. And... There's also been quite a number, a couple of houses in our neighbourhood that have totally redone their gardens. Like they've they've been renovating the house and then they've renovated the garden. And I've been interested to watch the process of them pulling out the old garden, fixing up the soil, putting in new soil, putting on all the different layers. It's quite a process to get a good lawn if you've ever done that. It takes quite a bit of time and effort. And I've been watching people do that. So I'm going to talk today about the soil, but part of being the soil is that we can be spiritual gardeners. Um, I'll come back to that, but yeah, hold on to that thought because we'll just go. I'm not going to reread this and it's been pretty small, but this is just the uh, parable of the sower again, reminding us that there's the four types of uh, ground, the path where the seed gets stolen away. The rocky, the rocky ground where, where somebody receives the word with joy, but because they don't have roots, some trouble comes along and they die and wither. The third type of soil, which is the soil where thorns and weeds and stuff grow up and choke the plants. And then the fourth soil, the good soil. And I just want to say that because of the way we're taught to think, we tend to look at that this parable and go, oh, there are four types of soil and you either you fit in one of them and that's it. You're stuck in that category. So in one sense, you're doomed to fall away or you're doomed to get choked or it's just the lucky few happen to land and be in the good soil and that's why they're doing well. Well, I don't think that's the way Jesus meant us to look at it at all. He's just warning us about some of the dangers and I think we can totally change any of those categories. Even the soil that's on the path, if we are there fast enough, we could dig a little bit so that the seed could get in before it gets snatched away. We can can get rid of the things that are choking plants. So this morning, that's really the basis of what I'm talking about, is the fact that we can actually change our soil. We're not doomed to be in one of those four categories. The soil can be changed. And, but the first thing to remember, and this is, well, let's just read this. 
I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. For no, And then just a few verses on. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we can all be a part of fixing up the garden, our own garden and the gardens of the people that we're coming into contact with. We can help them to get good soil. The foundation of any garden, though, of any good soil has to be Jesus. And I would argue that the main ingredient in good soil is obviously Jesus. He is the soil. Ephesians talks us about being deeply rooted in the love of Christ, that Jesus and his love is one of the main ingredients of the soil. Um, And, of course, our... Verse of the moment, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So what are we rooted in? We have to be rooted in the soil. Um, When I became a Christian, I was at a point in my life where my soil was broken. I'm not going to go into all the reasons today because I don't want to give a big testimony, but I had a lot of broken brokenness in my life. And so that's why when I think God came along through people talking to me, the seed could get in because I was broken. And I think that's often true in life. People, when they're broken, they've got cracks, so the word of God can get inside and begin to do something. And I, when, I, when I gave my life, I was in the privilege to have somebody take me through a really foundational Bible study, which set a good foundation, and then I just kind of took off from there. In contrast, my sister, a couple of years after I became a Christian, I became a Christian when I was around almost 22, and a couple of years later, my sister gave her life to Christ. In some part from watching me, but I think largely we had a neighbour who had been out of control who totally got her life back on track by committing her life to the Lord and she had watched her and been really amazed at the change that had come into, coincidentally, her name was Jackie also, so into Jackie's life. And um, she went to her church, which was a, a large charismatic church on the North Shore, and had a wonderful emotional experience and made it went out the front, made a commitment, like prayed the prayer. And, you know, I didn't live at home. I didn't live with her at the moment. She still lived at home. I lived down in Wollongong, so we're quite a while away. I didn't see her very often, didn't talk very much. But she said to me, oh, yeah, you know, I made a I've become a Christian. I was like, oh, that's amazing. I was so excited. But then I came home a couple of weeks later and... My, my, my parents were athe- uh, vocal atheists, and so it's not a very good environment for growing. So I had to actually take her out somewhere to even talk about what had happened to her. And I'm talking to her, and she's telling me all these wonderful... She just, was just about to go on a big European trip, and she's telling me all these wonderful things that she's going to do when she comes back. She's going to go and serve at the old people's home, and she's going to do this and that. And I'm saying, 
that's amazing. That's really good that you want to do those things. And then I started to talk to her about how much God loved her, even if she did none of that. And she didn't want a bar of it. She wasn't into this grace stuff. And I realised she didn't get it. Nobody from the church that she'd made a commitment with had really contacted her or done anything with her. She had had no real follow-up. And maybe they would have got to that, but she went off on this European trip, got really sick, flown home, spent a month in hospital, and just with my atheist mother beside by her bedside, that was it with God, and she's been inoculated and she's almost impossible to talk to about God up even up to this day. But she was affected by somebody else's brokenness. She wasn't broken. She wasn't actually ready for the God. She was going to do it herself, right? I'm, so she was like, I'm going to be better than all these Christians I know because she had quite a few Christian friends. But her life wasn't broken, so the sea, it was like falling on a path, so it really got snatched away. So often... Yeah, but if somebody, what the point I wanted to make is that if somebody had been able to come alongside her, sometimes I feel guilty, maybe it should have been me, but I feel like somebody could have drilled the soil and got that seed to take root and grow, but it just didn't happen in that case. So, but we can do that. We can be gardeners in our own lives, but we can also be gardeners in other people's lives as well. Um, so, Let's look at what makes a good soil. What are, what are we actually trying to get the soil to, to look like? So a good soil is going to be rich, moist, nutritionally balanced, weed-free, pest-free, stone-free, aerated and exposed to the sun. It's going to have all of those characteristics. Exposed to the sun, I've de- deliberately written it S-O-N in this slide, because that's the foundation, right? Jesus is the foundation. And exposing ourselves to Jesus is the first way to have healthy plants. But it actually, the sun also helps make soil healthy, the actual soil itself. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And John talks about coming in that chapter talks about how we need to come into the light and that as we come into the light of and in Jesus is the light as we come into his presence into his light then it's going to shine on things in our lives and help us to deal with those things so and sunshine is not actually something that we can make happen right the sun is just there it's just doing its thing we've just got to make sure like the plant our plants and the soil are actually facing towards the sun so they get a good dose of it. It is possible to hide them away, but it's pretty hard even to invade all light altogether. So the sun is there. The next part about having good soil is it has to be moist. It needs water. It's between the sun and the water, they're the two most important things, right, in helping a plant grow. Um, of course, you can have too much water as in house plants and containers, so plants that are contained can get too much, but in a free, open, draining soil, it's hard to get too much water. In fact, it's better if the garden gets soaked quite deeply because it encourages the roots to grow deep so that they don't stay that rocky soil where the roots are on the surface. It needs deep watering to go in. So what's 
watering in. My, my analogies this morning, of course, you know, they're not perfect, so take them as far as they can go. And we'll see. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Um, yes, so watering is our daily relationship with God, with Jesus, okay? Um, and that takes many forms on a daily basis. Some of it's just being aware of his presence. Some of it's just a one-sentence one thought. It's also our daily time where we, which we commonly call, you know, a devotional time or a quiet time where we draw some time aside that day. That's a little bit of a deeper watering in our day. Um, occasionally, though, we need to do take time out for an even longer, deeper time of being watered. So watering is that our relationship with God on a daily basis and the work that we do on that. Then the soil, in order to stay healthy, also needs to have different kinds of fertiliser. You can't just put all of one kind of thing into it. It needs a range of different fertilisers. It needs some light regular fertilising. It needs some deep fertilising. So your regular fertilising is things like coming along to church, going to life group, being places where you can get input. That extra boost might be going along to a conference. Or let me give a plug for young adult retreat coming up, encounter on the 24th to the 27th of May. That's a time for a really big boost on being fertilised. And just so everybody knows, that's open for like year 11, year 12, all the way through to 30-something, married or single. So if you want an extra boost, come to that. Um, yeah, so we, all those things give us extra boost. We need to put ourselves in places where we're going to get that extra feeding. Now, soil is also weed-free, pest-free and stone-free. I'm going to talk about a few of those more in depth, but I just want to make a point that sometimes we need specialist help to get rid of some of those hard pests, difficult weeds. And especially if we have a couple of stones stuck in our soil, you might need specialist help in the form of talking to a more mature Christian, getting counselling. If you have an addiction, you might need a particular kind of help. There are, yeah, there are some things where you're definitely going to need somebody else's help to get rid of those things. So, weeding. Who likes, who, who, who does garden? Any, any, does anybody actually like doing weeding in the garden? You do? <laughs> yeah. Is that, do you like to like get in their hands on and pull them out or do you like to spray them and wait, seeing them gone? Yeah. And that, but that comes from somebody who does it on a regular basis, right? Yeah. So like, I like weeding too, but it's much easier when you do it like every week or two and you just run as you're going around and you pull them all out while they've got small roots and they're little. Their weeds are much easier to pull out when they're small. So if you regularly do some self-inspection and, and deal with things before they take root, then um, that's better. Like even Hebrews tells us, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. If, you're, if the weeds get a chance to take root, then often when you come along and you're weeding them, you only successfully pull off the leaves and then you have to come back next week and they're there again and you pull the leaves off and you come back next week and they're there again, you actually, though once they've taken root like that, you've got to get some implement out and actually like dig up the root and get rid of it and throw, 
so that it doesn't pop up again. If you let the weeds go to the point where they flower and drop seeds, then you can get rid of that one, but in a couple of months' time, you're going to have a whole batch to deal with. And so weeding is much better on a regular basis. We need to be sit ourselves down on a regular basis before God and say, what do we have, what's happening in my life, Lord? And I'm in desperate need of a good weed. I'm going away for the next couple of days so God can do some weeding because I just feel like I've let a whole lot of things go and I need to deal with that. So I'm actually... I've been trying to go away for the last couple of months for a couple of days, but it's finally happening in the next couple of days and I am in fear and trepidation and excitement all at the same time because when you sit before God and you know there's some stuff there, you're like, yeah, it's going to be a bit painful. But it feels good once the weeds are gone. That's what we just said, right? Yeah. And as long as you've got all those weeds, it's going to stunt your growth because they're going to be absorbing the nutrients and all the good stuff out of your soil rather than going into the plant. Um, this is actually a picture from my garden. Doesn't it look pretty? Nice blue flowers. But that thing is a pest. It is a beautiful plant. I don't know whether you've seen it, but it, you regularly see it around the place taking over power lines and poles. It's a vigorous climbing plant that somebody else planted in my garden and it looks beautiful but if I don't cut it back to next to nothing, I can't get rid of it. I probably could but I'd poison all the nice trees that it's in around. So I have to, if I don't cut it back severely every year it takes over. It's already, you can't see the tree, right? That's actually a tree but all, I can, all you can see is that lovely blue flowering plant. The point here is that there are some things that are good but if let out of control become weeds. So you can have some stuff that when you when it first came into your life was a good thing or it might be a leisure thing, it might be watching television or whatever. In and of itself it's not a bad thing. It could be a way of unwinding, relaxing, it could be a source of information. There's all kinds of things in your life that can be good but if left to run out of control, can take over. And, yeah, we need to be sure that we're... Those kind of plants are best in pots where they're kind of like only have a limited way to go. And there are habits in our lives that that's true of, though. We need to keep contained. Now, I think this is probably one of the most important, least talked about things in both gardening and our spiritual lives, is that soil needs to be aerated. This picture is giving us a reason why. If there needs to be air in the soil so that there's room and a way for the water and the fertiliser and the good things to actually get down to where the roots are and so that the roots can grow. The soil needs to be aerated you need to actually get in and dig that soil up. Soil can develop a crust on the top that repels everything unless it's um, dug up regularly. So that means, from a spiritual point of view, that you could be sitting in church, you could even be going to conferences or retreats, but if you have a crust on the top of your heart, if you've allowed it to kind of seal over, that stuff just washes right off 
doesn't get in, doesn't do anything, doesn't help you grow, doesn't make, doesn't help you change. It needs to be aerated. And in a, spiritually, spiritual aeration equals accountability. Spiritual aeration equals accountability. Who can speak into your life? Who can ask you the tough questions? Who can say, how are you going and really want to hear a true answer? Who are you accountable to? Who is being able to penetrate your heart so that God can get inside it? We can kind of do this ourselves, but most of us are pretty good at not being honest with ourselves. If we've got to the point of developing a crust, then we're not being honest with ourselves. It's one of the reasons why our church is being really serious this year about our mental, about mentoring and about making sure that we're in mentoring relationships because that's one of a key way of allowing somebody and giving somebody permission to ask you the tough questions, to put a hole in there and penetrate and allow some aeration. So if you're not in a mentoring relationship, put your hand up and say, I need one because it's, I think, just going to cause you to be able to grow out of control. It'll just... And, yeah, so spiritual aeration, if you're not allowing people and you're not putting yourself into some form of accountability, then you're going to grow a hard heart. It's not going to be open to receive all the nourishment that God can give you. Now... A plant that's in soil that isn't growing can actually end up dying just because there's too much of a good thing around it because if you're not actually taking the good stuff through and out of the soil, if you're not soaking up the water that's in there, the extra stuff, that in itself can cause stagnation, can cause the soil to go sour, which will end up killing the plant. We're in the good soil in order to grow. In order to grow we need to have deep roots and as we said before the roots are we need to be rooted in the love of God and the love of Jesus and know that, really know that his love in our lives because once we know that then we're free to do most other things. But the way we grow is by loving and serving others and so going back to the mentoring thing not only should you be mentored, I really encourage you to be a mentoree, a men- uh, be a person who mentors because then you're going to help somebody else to grow. And in the process of helping somebody else to grow, you always grow. In the process of putting yourself out to lead or help or serve in some way, you are going to draw in the soil and it's going to become a healthy system because if if it isn't, stuff coming in and stuff going out, then it stops, it stagnates, goes sour, grows old and eventually causes you to die. We're not meant to just sit and soak in good stuff. We're meant to let it grow out so that we can grow. And that's true on a church basis as well. So, takeaways. The takeaways from today is make sure that you're rooted in the love of God. 
be thinking about your soil and, and the soil of those around you. Realise that you can contribute to digging up soil, allow, allowing seed to be planted. You can have a role in somebody else's life through mentoring. You can be a part of helping other people's change their soil so that they can accept the word of God and grow. And you can do that for yourself as well. So, I wish all of you good soil. If you feel like you need help in that area, please talk to us, talk to Nathan, talk to myself, um, especially if you feel like you've got some, you know, pests and stronger things in your life that you need to get rid of, then we can point you in the right directions for that. So... Bless you. Have a good week. May your soil get richer and moister and more nutritionally balanced this week. And I have to run off to Liverpool. So thank you. I'm sorry I won't be able to talk to you afterwards. Thank you, Jackie. Very welcome. Very welcome. Come to the there we are. Thanks, Joel. This is just as we come to the end. Um, out of that, like there's so much in that message, Jackie. I just thought like there's so much to take. What's, what, what's one thing from that message that stood out to you? 